Welcome to the Connected Calm Life. My name is Lane Kennedy. I am thrilled that you are listening today. It is a co-host episode, and I'm joined with my gal pal, Siobhan Neeland. And this conversation is so juicy and delicious. We kind of just let it rip. So before you get started here, I want to invite you to pour yourself a delicious beverage. I just poured myself a tall glass of dry botanical. Uh, Today I have ginger. If you're not a ginger fan, they have watermelon, blood orange, vanilla is another favorite that I love. You can find out more about them over at drinkdry.com. But really, get yourself something delicious as we dive into this episode. I also want to mention that if you haven't joined the members area, jump in. You can find out information about the master series, the brain series, the meditation series, uh, relapse prevention, uh, the simple detox. There's a lot going on in there and it's for you, my listener, you, a part of this community. You're here. I'm thrilled. Uh, the microphone on this episode was not the best. Uh, I had a mic drop accident, so I mean, it's okay, but anyways, I'm just so glad you're here. Grab yourself a drink and let's roll into this episode. Whenever you're good, I'm good. We're good. We're doing great. People love us. That's right. And when I say people, I mean you and me. (laughs) That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Hi, I'm Siobhan Nealon, and you're listening to Connected Calm Life. (laughs) I can't even say that calmly. This is why I love you. (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is the Connected Calm Life. My name is Lane Kennedy, and today my co-host is Siobhan. Hey. Oh, you said that perfectly. Yeah. Well, it's like it's you. Yeah, because it's hard for me not to want to like poke fun, have fun, make humorous. Can I say it in a silly voice? Like that's kind of what brings me joy is how finding the silly in things, and so. It was, I was trying to be serious, Siobhan, just be serious. You love Lane. You want to make sure this is good for her. But, oh, God, I can do this. <laughs> That's what makes it brilliant. That's what makes it brilliant. That's you. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're here today. Aw, thank you. Uh, I feel honored to be here with the great Lane. Yeah, it's really, uh, so Siobhan and I met, uh, I want to say I met Siobhan probably a good 12 years ago. She doesn't remember that. Mm. Um, (laughs) And then we met uh, like the fifth day of the pandemic. I think it was Mm. like really like the shutdown. And we had a conversation and I knew that she was somebody that I had to put in my pocket and hang out with immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I just knew it. Mm-hmm. I, I just knew it. I just knew it. Uh, Siobhan, share uh, your recovery date. <laughs> My recovery date yeah. uh, is May 1st, 1986. Oh, my God. That just makes for me. All, for all those counting. Wait, let's see. I should. I like usually can rattle off my days, but I have 13,046 days. Isn't that amazing? I like to think of it in days. When I start thinking of it in years, it's just like, 
it's just like a human. It's a yeah. person. It's a thing. It's this bigger than life thing that right. doesn't even make sense to me because I still feel eighties or like a newcomer, but like I don't feel like a old timer. <laughs> yeah. Long timer. I like the word long timer. <laughs> yeah, that even seems. I don't know. I just feel like I just I've got a few extra days. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, it, 86. I'm just thinking like, what was I doing? Well, 85, I graduated and yeah, I was drinking a lot, Mm. like a lot. (laughs) Like I had a hard time. Yeah. It was kind of the demise, the early years of my current drinking career and you were ending yours. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was either going to end my life or end it. Like, there really was, I, 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 you know, there was no graceful piece to this. It was either, I pretty much thought I was going to die and I was going to give this thing a year, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it won't work. So when it doesn't work, I'll just kill myself. Like, it was just, there was no, the thought of it working or staying sober was not even, I was just going to prove everybody, see, this is how screwed up I am. There's no hope for me. Yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff just to prove I'm, that defective and then look at look at me now and now look at you (laughs) running the world so brilliant so brilliant so in the show I share a lot about just the the process of recovery Mm -hmm. and where you're at now and uh you know I like to take it just one day at a time sometimes it's a minute at a time I'd like to highlight a couple of things in in your recovery that may be useful to our listeners. And one of the things that I know that I struggle with personally is change. It's hard. Hmm. And during this pandemic, it's been really hard for me to engage in relationships Hmm. uh, and to stay connected to my my girls or, you know, my, my little community, mm-hmm. has this impacted you at all? Has it like, how has this change in the way that we're interacting now affected you in your emotional wellness? It's a good question because I'm a very hyper social person and yes. I created a whole life around that. And this is the longest I've ever gone without traveling. Like Like, and not just traveling for fun, but traveling for my work or like, you know, back and forth to Africa, back and forth to New York for events and then back and forth for, you know, my normal work of recruiting. Um, So I was averaging three to six months a year travel. And so then I had to be really dedicated about like, okay, how do I do my recovery? How do I keep my connections? How do I work with my sponsor, my sponsees? So even if I was in Uganda, I would still keep my every two weeks meet with my sponsees. Like I would every, uh, like connect with friends. And so I think I was even more hyper, like around making sure that I stayed connected with everybody and then have friends in each of the cities or locations or countries that I'm in. And I was doing this kind of recovery for the last 15 years. Before anybody did online recovery, I had to. In Uganda, where I'm at, there's no meetings. There's not even internet. There's not even cell service. So I had to figure out ways to go and get, like, find internet, have a meeting, do it virtually. 
so obviously the pandemic in kind of was better where I got, I got more connected. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I get to really build out my recovery and support systems. But then on the physical side in my personal relationships, like I'm known for going out dancing every week and getting friends together and swimming with them every week and having parties every couple months. And all of that had stopped. And, and so it's just been really interesting to do a lot of internal work of like, what is necessary now? What is like, it doesn't mean that I'm not still that engaged or social person, but like, I feel like the pandemic, the climate, the political environment is all making us stop and go, just like I would with anything in my recovery. What's, what's the highest and the best today? What is, we're, like, stop and take a moment, take a pause, take an inventory of like, what's really working? What serves you? What serves others? And what is just noise? And I think the pandemic probably more than anything has looked at like who my friends really are. Like I have a lot of great acquaintances around the world, but some of these people I didn't right size. They were not really my friends. I couldn't really tell them all this stuff. They just wanted the sort of fun, adventurous Siobhan who does this thing and kind of put me in their pocket as a, in a different way. Whereas like, oh, she's just this thing. Whereas I now pretty much only have people in my life who really get me and I can call when I'm really happy or I can call when I'm having a really tough day or I can just say like, hey, it's I'm struggling right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think honestly, my husband who's in recovery really helped me do that. I met him about five and a half years ago and I started he started asking me questions that I felt like my best friends should be asking me and like. He'd be like, yeah, tell me more about that. And so I'd tell him my little pitch, my little story that I'd probably put on freaking some sort of social media thing because I'd been single for so long. And he's like, no, no, I want to hear the real story. I want to hear what really is going on. Like, what do you feel about that? And I was like, what? My friends aren't even asking me this. My sponsor's not even asking me this. How long were you single? <laughs> 20 years. Okay. But I, I hate, I'm pro solo in sobriety. But single is a relative term, right? I had a lot of on and offs relationships. Okay. I had a lot of like, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Yes. But yes. like, I have this feeling that God sort of put me in as like a chess piece, like, hmm. and tells like, I would just meet somebody and I was just like this explosion of cool and connectedness and mm -hmm. maybe they're in recovery or whatever. And we just seemed to match. And then all of a sudden God would just pull them out of my life. Mm -hmm. I was like, and me and God would be having words. You motherfucker. Like, sorry, <laughs> you're going to have to edit that out. But, um, and so me and God have this really great relationship. And I was like, and I started to really see like, honestly, I, I'm such a, driven person that if I thought I found my partner, I'm going to go for it. Right. And so God kept moving me around. So I was on all these dating sites and all these people, like it's sort of lots of almost. And then, so, but honestly it was on about 20 years that I didn't have a partner. And by the time that, I, that's, the, that's so, uh, this, <laughs> this, I love so much <laughs> because you were able to explore your life, right? Mm. So by the time that you had this, uh, that Evan came about, that your G.O.D. popped him into your life, mm -hmm. uh, it made sense. It was like, oh, we're having deep conversations. This feels good. This feels right. I'm not going to go away. He's not going to. Like there was a connection there between the two of you that probably uh, 
it didn't match anything previous to that in that 20 years. No. And I need to go, like, there was a reason yeah. I really believe this bigger philosophy that I would have put all my relationship energy into a relationship. And yeah. I had all of these misfortunes of being homeless and losing a baby and, and, and just all of this PTSD and just a lot of stuff. Yeah. But all of those things created all these businesses or, or, or nonprofits or ways to be of service in the world. And if I'd had a partner, I wouldn't have done that. But at the time yeah. I was, God, you, I let me. And so I was like succeeding or like, you know, every crisis turned into some sort of flower that bloomed after four or five years. And so including my charity in Africa, but I'm talking to God, like you, how come you won't let me have anybody who loves me? Like my, all I was focused on is that I was failing in that area. Even all these other areas were, were rich. actually succeeding, right? We're rich, right? And I really, by the time I had met Evan, I really did feel very clear about who I was. Mm-hmm. And I felt also clear in my purpose with yes. how God was moving me around. Yes. That, that's when I met Evan, I didn't like... I just want a partner. I don't need anybody to buy anything from me. No. I don't really need anything from you, yeah. except I just need you to be fully present and willing yeah. to do your own work and that we come together and create this little magical thing. And we both agreed there was no way this relationship was going to work. So some of you know me. Some of you know that there's a little bit of an age difference between us. And like we just were like, oh, this is only going to last a few weeks. So let me just enjoy it and savor it because it's just going to be another thing God pulls out of my life. Okay, I'm going to pause you right there because we've just opened up a whole egg and the egg is like broken open now. So I'm deciding on if I want to add some chives to it or some cheese. But let's pause <laughs> because we can take this in many different directions. And I, I think what's interesting here is that you you got sober pretty young. I mean, Very let's face it. Yeah, yeah. you were, how old were you? Like young, 18, 19? 19. 19. So you were able to explore your twenties, your which is magical without drinking. I mean, it probably was uncomfortable and like, it was awful. Wild. Like, I, I feel like if I had just had alcoholism, but I really had a lot of outside issues. I had so many mental health issues and so much PTSD that honestly my twenties are, I can barely remember. It's like, they're like a blackout. Uh, but that was a time for you to care for yourself or something, mm-hmm. this magical, I mean, you're, learn you're how to parent myself, learn how to reparent right. myself, learn how to be sober. And then I joined a bunch of other 12 step programs and right. I, it was basically like college for my soul, like learning how to <laughs> try way to, to put it like a human instead of this animal is what I had lived like. So the twenties were kind of, it, you were embracing yourself Mm -hmm. and then you get into the 30s uh what was that about I got married I got married to a sober man who (laughs) hopefully he doesn't listen to this but like he didn't really ever do his step work but I just assumed he did and like we just you know it It didn't work out we're just gonna say it didn't work out so the 30s were there 40s are you discovering your service Yeah, how to be of service and be a working member of society on a yeah. scale and right. learn all the stuff that I learned about step work and traditions and like. So if you're listening to the show and, and you're like, what is she talking about step work for or this God? Don't worry about it. Oh, you know? sorry. Like it's, you know, 
it, everybody has a path to their emotional wellness and recovery. And Siobhan follows a 12 step path, which is an incredible way to find recovery and everybody has their path. So in regards to, you know, taking it slow and discovering yourself, that's what you've done, Siobhan. Like your twenties, you dove into like self-care, becoming your own parent. Thirties were getting involved with a relationship that obviously didn't work and rearranging your life. Forties, finding out that service was the answer and, and, like widening your path. And that, like, then you you met, you met the love of your life as mm-hmm. well. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that it's been this kind of slow process for you. Mm-hmm. And because it really, it allows others to go slow. We live in a society today where everything is like, I, it should have been done yesterday or three weeks ago. What are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I should have been married already. Mm-hmm. I should have had the house. I should have been making six figures. Oh no, I should be making seven figures. Don't you know who I am? Like there's a lot of that kind of mentality. And this idea of just slow and steady, right foot, left foot, next action, and builds this beautiful life. Like you have this amazing relationship where your partner takes time and listens to you. Hello. <laughs> Yeah. Now I have the opposite of anything that I grew up with. I mean, I don't, I can't Mm -hmm. think of any family member who has anything that is remotely healthy. Uh, Most of the people I grew up with or all they're dead or dying from dead or, or on the process of from some sort of addiction or mental health thing. Most of my family members have either died or killed themselves of alcoholism. So it's not like I come from anything where I learned Anything. So for me to have the kind of relationship and like, here's, here's what I, I wrote, started writing goals and intentions 25 years ago about a visions, the visions that I want to see for. So me, not like resolutions, but like visioning myself, where do I want to be? Where, where does my soul and my spirit want to be? I started writing about the ideal relationship that I wanted to be and the kind of partner I wanted to be in that relationship 25 years ago, even while I was still with my first husband, it's like 10 pages of just all this very detailed stuff of just the relationship section. I've got 33 pages of all my goals and touches, but the relationship thing, if you read it, it's Evan. I, I, I put that message into like my higher power. This is what I want to believe for myself. I read all these books and I like thought, okay, this is what I want for myself but I didn't think it was really possible because, you know, those of you who heard my story or read my book, you know, like my father was compared to Charles Manson. It's like I have a lot of trauma to overcome. I have a lot of beliefs that I had to learn, relearn and, and replace. And so for me to have a partner now, we still to this day, five years in, we roll over every morning and say, I love you. I choose you. Every morning. We Whose idea was that? Day. It Who's was idea? actually mine because. And he did. And he, see, this is where I'm like, what, who, what man does that? Evan. <laughs> like, Evan. He does. And all you ladies, he's mine. Don't uh. take it. Um, but what happened is that, you know, we have this little bit of an age difference. People were giving us a very hard time about it. And so I was just like. I don't think it's that big of an age difference. 
No, it's not, you know, whatever. But sometimes it's just, I mean, 30 years is an age difference. People really have issues about money and sexuality. What, what, and is, age. That, what is that lesbian couple? Um, oh, that woman is so hot. God, I just was reading a, an article about them, but their age difference is substantial. I don't, it's, I gotta find, I gotta, I gotta look that up. Well, let me finish telling you the story because this is really what's key. And I think it's actually what's key about our relationship. And if I can, if I can do this in all areas of my life, life yeah. is easier. So we both were just because of our age difference, where we were in our life, we didn't think it was going to last. We never thought of each, we thought we kind of met each other or became best friends and then really quickly, we kept like being attracted to each other romantically. And we're like, I don't think this is going to work. He kept saying, I just really want your friendship. Your friendship means so much to me. But then he'd give, come and kiss me again. And so I was like, okay, we got three options. We either are friends and we never cross that line. Two, we decide to start dating. Or three, we you know, don't talk to each other anymore. Whatever. Those are the three options. Which one do you pick? He's like, let's date. And I was like, how about if we did this? Because we were about to go on a trip in Europe, and we were pretty sure there was no way. We already had an exit plan in case things went awry in the trip. And uh, I was like, what if we did this? What if we just choose each other every day? And there's going to be a day where we can't choose each other. There's going to be a day where I'm either too old, or you want kids, or you want this, or I want kids. or Something's going to happen where we don't want each other because we're just in different places in life. He's like, oh, my God, I love that. Let's do that. Well, we went to Europe, we fell in love in Paris, and honestly, we've never looked back and we've said it every day. And it's, and, and what's cool is because we still also know there's a chance that we might not last because most relationships don't last. Yeah. And the fact that we really savor today, it really falls in line with my recovery for my PTSD, my recovery with my 12 steps. It's like, I really only have today. Even with the pandemic, it's like, all we have is today. What can I really enjoy and savor? That's why I don't have time for relationships that have drama or issues. I don't have time for any of that. I want time with the people and places and things that bring life, bring joy, fill my heart up with the sunlight of the spirit and with, with grace. And that's a blessing because someone like me doesn't get that. You know, I'm most of my family still really struggles to even enjoy a day. So for me to have that where most days I'm really enjoying it. And even on a crappy day, I have the tools that I know by the next day I'll be okay. I can find the joy or I can even find the joy in that crappy moment. And that, God, how could life be any better than that? That's that's as good as I think it could really get. It's like it's not winning a lot of prizes or friends or things. And even this relationship, I know that it it could change. It could change just like that. I know you guys have struggled or you've had little challenges through the pandemic. And it's been really uh, an honor to just be your friend and mm-hmm. to hear you like go through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to know, like, I know that you're going to get through it. Whereas with some people who perhaps are not emotionally sober, who are not on the wellness path of recovery, you know, they've ended their marriages. They've, you know, had to take the exit plan. Not to say that the exit plan is is not the right direction, right? Like everybody yeah. has their path, but it's been, it's been really sweet to hear like your struggles. Mm. And to know that you're doing, like, I know that you are fierce, 
<laughs> about doing your work, your internal, mm-hmm. you know, work that keeps you um, centered and sane. Yeah, I guess. Right. Like that's today. Yeah, I don't really have, there's not an option. I see some people like, Oh, well, I used to do a lot of that work. I don't need to do that. Like, oh, I feel like it's like, you don't just eat one meal and then you never eat again. You don't just drink one glass of water and then don't mm-hmm. drink water again. It's like, I need all of these things to be nourished and to be able to to do it. And like, you know, it's really amazing to do this with a partner because I really didn't have that as a family or, or with other people in my life before that, that were in, in this particular role. And so we love like going off to our corners, mm-hmm. working on what's our individual fear that's getting lit up. And then how do we come together and in, in, in work it out? We just had another one a couple of weeks ago. And it's again, it doesn't even hardly last 24 hours, but they're so profound, right? Sometimes it's about chores. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's about saving money. And we both look at like what's lighting up. Like this is lighting up my fear when he says this. And this is lighting up his fear when I say this. Mm-hmm. And then we go, okay, well, can we quit taking you personally for a second? Can we look at our stuff individually, go to our little, go to our corners, go to our people, and then come back and like how do we move forward and that has been just everything I like, I just didn't think that was possible. Yeah. I like, read it in books and it seemed like, oh, that's all a crock. No, that doesn't exist. I hear that it's just like a unicorn. I hear people say they can do this stuff. But now I have that in my life and it's, it's miraculous. And I'm glad I waited. I'm glad that I waited to, to work through this lonely years of, of, of you know, loneliness. The, the 20s and 30s. Yeah. <laughs> Just life on life's yeah, terms. Yeah, it's just life. Yeah, and that, you know, I didn't, uh, well, it's better to just be with this person instead of be alone. Like, no, that's the loneliest place to be. But the best place to be is with people who see you and hear you. And even if I, you know, if Evan and I don't work out, I know. You'll be fine. I'll be fine. I yeah. know he'll be fine. Like, I know, like, I'm still friends with a lot of my exes. Like, I'm not, I, I just want to. I don't want to be stuck in the past. I want to be moving forward and moving uh, and really listening to spirit. Like, where do you want me today? What are my marching orders today? What do you yeah. need me to do today? And that is easier said than done. There's days like today I woke up super groggy, not feeling it. It's like still sat in my meditation chair. I was like, okay, <laughs> source, I need some source. I need some power. Show me what you want me to do today. Whereas yesterday I was like, I felt super overcharged. You know, so I think it is, it's just taking a day at a time and what are my tools today and how do I utilize my tools and not just get complacent. So I think complacency is one of the biggest problems with finding your joy and your centeredness. Um, Cause you can yeah. take- complacency is killer. It's, hmm. it is absolute like self-destruction. Um, and I, I love this idea of like sitting in the chair, even when you don't want to, right? Like I know for me, that's part of the practice. It's just like, you have to sit there, like you just sit there, just sit there. And that agitation will bubble up and, and then suddenly there's a softening to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then being able to get out of the chair and show up. Mm-hmm. And when we're in our relationships, I think a lot around if we're not participating in that practice every day, the relationship suffers. Have you found that? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Part of why. Does he, does he practice as well? Yeah. Okay. Part of the, where we started having issues during the pandemic is both of our practices got a little 
Like, we both were doing our work, but not to the normal amount we do. And that impacted us. And that's where we both started like, okay, we got to go back and make sure we're doing our self work. Otherwise, like, because we were bickering over stupid little stuff, which we don't ever do usually. And that's kind of also an, an like, oh, this is a warning sign when we're doing this. Yeah. Where are we not doing our individual stuff? And then what are we not doing together? Like now we start, we we almost walk almost every morning in the park together as part of another routine to try to keep our connectedness. We always have a date every week. Every Saturday is date day. Every day Sunday is every day apart day too, right? We need a, par- a time apart. And so we have time to do our own work and see our own people and see our own friends. So it's, again, really making sure you have routines that keep that. And then when you start seeing some bubbling up going, okay, where, where do we need to dive a little bit deeper? It's interesting. During uh, the pandemic, my husband and I, I mean, we, like I would walk the dog or he would walk the dog. We would never do it together. And during the pandemic, that's been something that we have, I don't even know, it was a an unspoken agreement. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going. Okay, I'm going. Right? So it's become this thing that we do mm-hmm. every day. And I can't tell you how this small action, mm-hmm. I seriously think it has been the glue that has kept us together through the pandemic. Because, you know, let's face it, I- I'm not going to be like, oh, you're the best thing ever every day. Like, no. No. Like it's hard. Relationships are hard. Marriage is hard. We've been together over 10 years. It's even harder, right? So there's like a lot going on, but having that specific time every day has changed the way that we move in the house. Mm. You know, like it's not fun when we don't walk because there's like a crispiness, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like, I'm too busy. Or I'm like, I don't, I can't deal with that right now. Like there's a clash of the Titans, Mm -hmm. but that walk, oh, if you're listening right now and you're not walking, Siobhan and I both have the experience that the walk is magic time. Yeah. And it didn't used to be a thing. This is kind of a new thing for me. Like I'm a go swim in the ocean, big Uh workouts. Like I, I, everything's very intense. So the walk seems sort of slow and subtle. And that's, (laughs) if anybody who knows me, that's not my speed. Like I, another metaphor that is very similar that has helped me personally, which was my swim in the ocean, right? So I swim all year round without a wetsuit in the San Francisco. Which is crazy. You guys, if, if, so some of my, I have listeners all around the world. So, you you know, the San Francisco Bay is freezing. I'm just telling you. Right now it's 50 degrees. It's freezing. (laughs) It's cold here. It's very cold. It takes your breath away. And I takes more than your breath away. Come on. And I well, trying to get me in there for two years now. And I'm like, no, not ready yet. Lane, it'll change your life. I know. Telling everybody to walk with their husband. Well, you need to jump in the water. It's a metaphor for a life because you, you, every time I still stand at the edge and go, I'm my bikini going, oh my God, this water is going to kill me. And then (laughs) just that. And then you walk back and you want to turn around. So you're getting in. And then once you're in, like you see the sea cliffs and you see the Golden Gate Bridge and you see the dolphins and then you feel alive. And the rest of the day, my body is tingling with aliveness. And I was like, wow, if I just walk through the uncomfortability, Mm -hmm. if I walk through the uncomfortability of this, Mm -hmm. I become more me. 
And I sort of walk with my partner or walk in my job has been kind of uncomfortable during the pandemic is I've had some not so great bosses. And just like, how do I still walk with grace? How do I walk through the uncomfortability with that joy and find the joy in the midst of these things? That's where the sweetness of life is, right? So I know, I know that water. I know. Yeah. I know the water is coming to me. I, I feel it in my bones. It's all you listeners, you email her and tell her to get in the water with me. (laughs) It scares me. So it's one of those things. It scares me. So I know it's one of the things that I have to do. And I'm, I just keep putting it off and putting it off. And when I met you and you told me, I was like, Oh, it's coming. And now we're like two years into this, right? Almost. And, and I still haven't done it, but I feel it. It's like up, you know, there's a thermometer and it's like up to the, um, up to my neck. I'm like, (laughs) oh my God. Like the the idea of even getting in a bikini, I'm like horrified of that. Just stop me right there. Um, No. (laughs) That's what's funny because that's where you start to realize like, wow, this belief that one, the bikini. Yep. And the water's going to kill me. What are people yep. think? Like we, you get I don't to have the, what are people going to think? No, but we, I mean, they, they're they're just like, for everybody, right? Like we all have something, right? Like, so one of the things that I also love so much about you is your dedication or commitment to women's health, hmm. right? You, um, you started a nonprofit, over in Uganda, and you're passionate about that. And I've heard you share much about that. Share with our listeners, you know, the work that you're doing over there. And, you know, you brought up, like, there's no cell phone. There's no, like, just that obstacle is enough for me to say, "Uh, I'm going to let someone else do this. But you (laughs) freaking did it, which is, again, it just, it shows your inspiration and your desire to make change in the world. So let's let's share a little bit about that. So, um, so one mom actually was started because I lost a baby and got postpartum really bad. Uh, it was one of the hardest things in my life, and I've had a very hard life. And um, so, <laughs> just like any normal crazy person would do, I decided to go to Africa to follow some vision I had when I was a teenager and go help others who had it worse than me and see if I could like get out of myself and help others and get through this pain. Well, foreshadowing, I would meet, uh, I went through six, seven countries. One of them was Uganda. And in the process of me volunteering there, I met a woman named Mama Jamira. And she's now like my mama. She's the one who married Evan and I actually. Um, And um, I can't explain it, but she doesn't speak any English and I don't speak hardly any Lugandan and we, but we were just soulmates right away. Like she is now the mom I never had. She's just, and I was the daughter she didn't have. And um, this bond just happened. It was instant. And I don't think I would know that my life purpose flashed before my eyes at that point. It would take years of, well, I, I was going to give it to somebody else or I've got this idea. Like, you know, you just don't really know, like, I had to have this vision of when you get a life purpose, it's going to be this like light bulb moment. And it was like a crawling me coming out of a blackout. Like, it's just sort of like trying to fit, like letting God, like helping me become the caretaker of this vision was like God trying to smooth me around and right, right. Like, come on, I'm trying to get you over here. Come on. So that is, 
And where this place is, is Mama Jimmer had a little fishing box and it had a razor blade and some thread. And this is how women would come to her. They'd walk for miles and miles pregnant and have their babies on dirt roads, no running water, no electricity, um, very few medical supplies. She's a, she's a medicine woman. She's herbalist. So she people had much safer births with her than anywhere else because she at least had traditional herbs to work with that would help with bleeding and those kinds of things. So this is the kind of circumstances I'm coming in. I was like, God, if I could just get boxes of gloves, then I could keep her from getting HIV, could stop the mother from transformation from baby. And it was just really, I was like, I'll just put it up on a website where people could donate gloves. And like, it was just simple idea, but it turned out it was this much bigger thing and it was much bigger than me. And, um, you know, I never have gotten to have babies. And I really do believe that this, I gave birth to a clinic. I gave like, this is my way to be a mom of thousands. And it really, like, I kept thinking at some point I'd want to have kids, which I used to really want. But as I started to be moved into this role of being the, the mama of one mama, a, that has moved into like, I, and to build these 250 clinics around the world, wherever living, do you know, there's 3 billion people who live under $2 and 50 cents a day. That's like half the planet. Yeah, and $2.50 a day, like think about that. Yeah. You can't buy a coffee for that. You can't even park here for that. Like you can't do – there's just like – it's really the conditions that so much of the planet is living and most women are still living in impoverished communities and do not have – in rural communities are having their babies in this format, like all over the world, not just in Africa, not just here, even in Native American uh, tribes, you know, they don't have the health care. And so my goal was to, to like, I, I don't know, the vision came to me. And so that was where this came out of. And then it was kind of perfect because I was raised with no running water and electricity. I was raised, uh, you know, in, with a lot of health problems, bedridden most of my life. And so all this foreshadowing of my childhood and my upbringing and my health problems kind of gave me all of the tools to sort of help others empower them. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it for you, but I'll help hold your hand. Let's all figure this out together because it's not like I know, not like a health provider. It's not like I know. And people were very, when I was trying to get money and first started, oh, people were like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You, you're not a doctor. Everybody says no. That's Everybody so says no, no right? Nah. And, I, and I was like, but then who's going to do it? Well, somebody's going to do it, but you shouldn't do it. You definitely should do it. You're just an entertainer. You shouldn't no, do this. No. And I was like, no, if, if I don't do this, who's going to do this? I'm, the calling is here. The phone call is coming and I'm here. And you know what? We built That's out it. medical supplies. We built like we have a full, you know, birthing center, medical center. We've helped. I built out a domestic violence center, um, and these are all issues that I personally have faced. And like it's right. cool. Like I can't change everything, but I can provide the solutions, and they can choose to use them or not. Right. And you know, and that there's something cool about when you're actually doing something that then all these things that are happening in the world that are pretty messed up don't feel quite as overwhelming. I'm not going to get wrong. It's been a couple of couple, couple, hard couple of years, but knowing that I am doing my best to try to, to put a couple drops in the bucket of change and that I'm a part of that change. And I pray for every day to, to what are my marching orders that really makes a difference. And now I'm doing it in the corporate world. And so many people don't answer the call. 
Right? We all get the call. We all get the call. We all get the call. Everybody. So many people, women, I will stick with the women, right? We don't answer that call. So if you're listening today and you've gotten that call, it's time to answer the call, right? It is time. I used to think that I had that the call was going to be my life. Mm, yeah. Right. No. I was like, oh, it's going to be the thing that I'm doing forever. And when meditation and mindfulness came up, I was like, that can't be it. That like, what, what do you mean? Right. Like discovering that that was the call mm-hmm. because it was so like in my face and you know, like having a kid. Oh, that's the call. I have to answer that call. I don't want like, <laughs> no, that's not what I want. Right. But it's like, we're presented with these obstacles or challenges and whether or not we choose to pick up or not is ours. And the longer I, I find that the longer I put off, like putting, getting in the ocean, my life becomes more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Just saying, just saying <laughs> it's there. Uh, Siobhan, you're my gem. I hold you tightly. You're my gem. I love you, honey. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for being on this path of recovery and sharing the wisdom that you just can't find unless you've traveled it. Mm-hmm. You just, you have to explore it. You have um, to be it. You have to be willing yeah. to look messy and yeah. just be it. Like I like to say, I have a lot of manure in my life so that I can have a really nice flower patch. Rich garden. Rich garden. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of manure. So if you've got a lot of manure, You're you doing good. are going to have the best garden. If you just, all you got to do is turn the soil and put some seeds in there. Oh, that's so true. All right, friend. Uh, do you want people to go ha- hang over or go check out One Mama? Yeah, you can have, go check out uh, one mama, www.onemama.org or you can actually check out my Fighting for Your Joy, um, which also donates to One Mama, which is also just tools that I learned. A lot of what we just talked about is how I found my own tools. So good. All right, my friend, uh, make sure that you share this episode with another woman who's out there listening, who needs to listen. Uh, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious that fills you up so you can be the best I know you can be. Until next time, take good care. And just like that, it's all done. Thanks for hanging out again. Another episode. I so appreciate you. Please share this episode with a friend and give a rating and review over on iTunes. Five stars is always super helpful. And make sure to check out One Mama. You know, support Siobhan and her journey in helping women on the other side of the planet. Uh, you know, every little contribution is important. So have an incredible moment and keep on keeping on with yourself. I'll see you next time.